And what we're doing is we're looking at the dynamics of how these things create trouble for us and then how we can deal with them. Right? But we need, we need to quell these things. We need to get these things quietened in our souls if we're going to have those quiet souls that we want. So that's a word of prayer, and then we'll go straight into it. Father, would you bless tonight, Lord? <clears throat> would you just put your hand upon us and help us, Lord? Uh, help us to look to you and to know your presence and your power, even in these moments. And Lord, uh, help us to identify in, each, in ourselves, Lord, what needs to change. And Lord, may we take your word, gaze into your face, and be changed by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean to you, by the way? You hath he quickened, or made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins. In time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. Okay, so the, the, the world is under Satan in that sense, and what we did was we walked in his ways, we walked in the ways of the world, we walked <clears throat> under Satan, and that, that, that's the way we lived. Now we have to face that about ourselves. There's no, there's no escape in that one. You know, <clears throat> that it wasn't just that we, we, were, we were good people uh, who, who, who had a slip and, uh, and were bad for a while. We were rotten to the core, and we were following Satan, and... God stepped in and quickened us. God stepped in and brought us to life. If you're saved tonight, it was a class A level 10 miracle. And it doesn't matter what you did before you were saved. <clears throat> Just the fact that you're saved is a class A level 10 miracle. You know, <clears throat> you, you may have, a, have had a life where you were in addiction and you came out of it and you think, well, that, that's a miracle. And that is a miracle, but you know what? That's not the biggest miracle that happened. The biggest miracle that happened is you were a sinner following Satan on your way to hell and Jesus stepped in and changed all of that and now you're going to heaven. It's the greatest miracle that man can ever know when God steps in and does that work, right? When he walked according to the prince and power of this world, according to the prince, sorry, the power of the air, the spirit that now uh, energizes the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our uh, life, our, our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. All right, so three thoughts coming out of that. This is what we were. We were fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. He makes the, a, a difference there between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. So we're going to kind of catch on to that as we go through. All right, so the anatomy of a lust. <clears throat> now, here's what you're doing. You're examining what goes on inside so that you can actually identify it and help yourself not to get in, get it, get, do that, not to live like that. But you've got to look honestly at yourself. That's a key issue in this. You've got to look honestly at yourself. So lust is used in the Bible <clears throat> for any strong desire, good or bad. The Bible says that the spirit lusts after us. Right, so lust is not necessarily of itself a bad term. Right? <clears throat> James 1.14 says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Right, so he's drawn away of his own lust. And here's what, what we see too, and we've seen it several times. We have our own lust. We have designer lust. They're, they're different. They're not all the same for all of us. You know, <clears throat> the things that we lust after. And the things that we lust after, remember, may be good or bad. That's not the issue here. 
what we sin when we're drawn away of our lust. And obviously the idea is drawn away from what God wants for us. So that we're drawn away of our lust. <coughs> so lust is a strong desire, provide, provides points of temptation. Now, you cannot be tempted by something you do not want. I have never been tempted to eat snails. It's not something I fancy doing at all. Uh, maybe you do. Um, <clears throat> I can't explain that, but I've never been, t- I've never been tempted to eat snake either. Uh, <clears throat> you know, so you know what? I don't have a problem with lusting after eating snails. <clears throat> what happens for us is we lust after things that we desire. That's different for each one of us. Uh, this is why discontent is so dangerous. When we're discontent, we start looking for things to make us feel better. Uh, open ground for lust. So lust, strong desires are personalized. They're our own lust. We had our conversation, that's our lifestyle, and times pass in the lust of our flesh, that's our sinful nature, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, uh, the body, and of the mind, right? <clears throat> um, now, here's, here's why, why discontent is so bad. Because the only thing I need is what? One. God, Christ, okay, he's the only thing I need. The only thing, that, that, that doesn't mean very true. We're going to see some things that we, that we do need in our lives, but in order for it to be content, the only thing I need is Christ. The only thing I need is God. That's all I need. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to be content until I realize and capitalize on that. I'm, so I'm going to be discontent until I realize uh, that truth and capitalize on it. You know, all I need is him. I can be satisfied in him. Take everything else away from me. And because I have him, I can be satisfied. <clears throat> so we need to kind of catch that one. So that when I come to the place where I'm discontent, i.e., I have to have in order to be happy. I have to have this or I have to have that. I have to have something in order to be happy. I'm always in the wrong place. Now, wh- why would I be in the wrong place? <clears throat> we'll say I decide I have to have money in order to be happy. What's wrong with that? <laughs> okay, you don't have any. But what's, what's wrong with that? If I come to the place where I have to have money. Greed. Okay, it's greed. Okay. Fine. Loving the wrong thing, yeah. What do, what do we say this? I have to have a spouse. I have to be married in order to be happy. And you're making the demands? Let me ask you, is it true? Is it true? Do I have to have a spouse in order to be happy? Was Jesus happy? Did he have a spouse? I don't have to. Now listen, we're not denying the fact that, listen, that's a deeply, uh, <clears throat> God has put deep within us the desire, you know, to marry and to procreate. That, that, that's written into our DNA, Right? But I don't have to have that. Now, when I go to the place where I have to have that, I'm in trouble. Because I don't. I may desire that. That may be something I pray about. It may be something I long for and want. But I don't have to have it. The same is true with money. <clears throat> I don't know whether, you, <clears throat> whether you've noticed this in your life. How many of you have noticed this? There have been times when you've had a lot of money and you had nothing. And there's been times when you had very little money and you had everything. Have you ever noticed that? Isn't that incredible, isn't it? How does that work? You know, how is it possible for you to have no money and yet you have everything you need and, and have a lot of money and not have the things that you need? 
Because money is not the issue for us. God is the issue. God won't be supplanted in our lives by money. So what he does is he, he, he makes it, and they don't miss it. What I need is God. You know, I don't need, you don't need a spouse, you need God. You don't need money, you need God. All of those things that you think you need, uh, when the enemy can get you to buy the lie of, I have to have this, what happens inside you? When you have to have something and you haven't got it, what happens inside you? Pan? You start lusting after him? And what, what else happens inside you? Are you happy? No, you're miserable. Those are miserable days, aren't they? What happens is this thing bites you, this thing begins to gnaw away at your soul, and it, just, it, it can just devour you. So you've got to understand there's a problem there. When you come to the place where I have to have something, I can't be happy unless I have something, you're in trouble. And by the way, sometimes we do that in prayer, don't we? Here's, here's the way the thinking works. I have to have this. I know I have to have this. I'm really in bits because I haven't ha- don't have this. So I'm going to go to God, and that's going to make me really importunate. Now, that, that's not importunity. That's you wanting something that God has not chosen to give you at that time. And you know what? <clears throat> you're just, what you're doing is you're making a hole for yourself. When you come to, uh, to God in prayer, come to God with thanksgiving. Now, how can you come to God with thanksgiving if he is purposefully denying you what you need? He's not purposefully denying you what you need. If he is holding back something from you, it's so that you realize what you really need is him. So we've got to catch that and work it out uh, in our hearts and lives. Every time I come, we've seen that over and over again. Much of the noise in my soul is caused when I come to the place of, I have to have. No, I don't have to have. I have all that I need in Christ. I have all that I need there. There's a lot more he could give me. There's a lot more I might enjoy. There's a lot more I might desire, I might desire but I don't have to have. I have all that I need in him. <clears throat> right? Okay, number two there. The desires of the body. These are appetites that we are born with as part of our human nature. Right? A desire for food and oxygen. Alright, so you come to the place where you say, hang on a minute, I need food to live. Right? Now, is needing something in that sense and lusting after it the same thing? Is it? Alright, let's, let's, let's tease through it. What about the desire for sleep? Well, what about the desire for sex after reaching puberty? I mean, those things kick in. Those, those, are, those are, you might put this way, those standard equipment that come with the human being, right? They, they, they're part of who we are, part of how we're made and so on, and they are part of, part of uh, just part of how we are, right? Here's the deal. When I come to the place where I'm lusting after one of those things, I'm going to do wrong to achieve it. Right? If I lust after food, and you can get to the place where you're lusting after food, what I'm going to do is I'm maybe going to steal to get food, or maybe I'm going to eat more food than I should eat because I'm lusting after food. And the same is true with the others too. That I, uh, these, <clears throat> these are permanent features of my life. They can't be eliminated. They come with my model, but they do have to be controlled. They have to be controlled. I, <clears throat> I, I don't let my body dictate to me what I'm going to do in any of these areas. I, if I let my body dictate, I'm, I'm in trouble. We'll see that here in a minute, right? <clears throat> So, 
Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27 says, But I buffet my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing, right? And he says this, he buffets his body, he, he beats on his body. Now, he didn't mean he physically beat himself. That, that wasn't what he was talking about. But what he was talking about was this, was he didn't let his body have what it wanted to have. And he didn't let it control him. Paul controlled his body. His body didn't control him. That was the way he lived his life. That's an important lesson for us to learn, that we need to control our body. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who you know, was a superstar as far as Christianity is concerned, was afraid that if he didn't, he would become a castaway. That if he gave in to the, the lusts and the desires of his flesh, he would end up being a castaway. He would end up being, uh, being destroyed as far as Christian service is concerned. Now, do you think that should speak to you and I too? I think it should. I think that should speak to us. We need to understand. We need, we're born with these desires. That, you know, they are just standard on the model. Right? You buy a car, you can buy a car, and you can buy a car with, with, with extras on it. But if you buy the standard car, what you get is you get your, 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 your bodywork, your four doors, your seats, your engine, your gearbox, and so on. You get the basic model, standard, all the standard bits on it. Your standard model comes with certain desires that you ha have to have, but you need to control them. They can't be eliminated. You need to control them. You need to be in charge. Food. You need to be in charge of your desire for food. If you don't, what's, what's going to happen is it's going to do you, <clears throat> uh, do you damage, right? <clears throat> now, see there, the flesh, the sinful nature can appeal to the, to the body to fulfill these bo bodily cravings outside of God's laws. Wrong purpose, wrong time, wrong way. Right? <clears throat> what can happen is your body can say, I want this. I have to have this, and therefore, I'm going to do it, even if it's not right, even if God's not pleased with it, even if it's not the way that God agrees I can do it. Now, <clears throat> what's happening there is your body is in control, you're giving into it, and you're letting it override what God wants for your life. You know, <clears throat> if we look at that in the area of sex, I mean, uh, <clears throat> there's a, a place for it within marriage, and outside of marriage, God says it's wrong. It's just wrong. And inside of marriage, it's honorable. Outside of marriage, it's worthy of judgment. And, you know, people so often think, I can get away with it, and I won't, I won't get caught on this thing. Everybody else, this is the way life is. No. God says it's worthy of judgment. So what happens is that when you do something that <clears throat> God said is worthy of judgment, judgment comes with it because that's the nature of it. And God doesn't have to step in and kill you to do it. It's just judgment that comes in with it. So you can't do it. If you eat too much food, lust after food, and eat too much food, there's judgment that comes with it, isn't there? Now you put it on around your waist. <clears throat> makes life hard for you. Um, you know, you've got to control your body. You've got to keep those things under control, right? <clears throat> uh, but the flesh, the sinful nature, can appeal to the body to fulfill those cravings outside of God's laws. Doing something that's outside of God's law. I'm hungry. There's food over there in the spa. I have no money. Sure, I'll just slip over. Nobody will see, and I'll put a sandwich in my pocket, and nobody will know. But, you know what? That's fulfilling that desire outside of God's laws. And, and there's judgment that comes with it always, right? <clears throat> 
Now, here's something you need to, you need to catch a hold of. Repeated indulgence in, bod indulgence in bodily cravings results in habituation. They call it homeostasis, right? And here's what happens. Um, <clears throat> when you do something regularly, your body gets used to it and expects it. Are you familiar with that thought? Now, if you do something regularly, your body gets used to it, and your body begins to expect it, expects you to do it. Right? If you eat regular meals at regular times and you eat the right kind of food, you know what? Your body gets used to it. Let me ask you this. How many have been on a health food diet or a good diet and so on, and then you've eaten something sugary after it and it tasted horrible? Anybody experienced that? I mean, it's dreadful. When you've been eating right, sugar tastes awful. You know, it's just, 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 just incredible. If, if you've been fasting and you put sugar, something sugary in your mouth, I, I tell you what, it'll give you a rush. But it's, not, it's, not, it's not nice. It's horrible. Right? So, what, but what happens is, when you treat your body right, your body expects to be treated. Now, when you treat it wrong, it expects to be treated wrong. It gets used to it and expects it. Okay, if I go to McDonald's every day, and, and uh, what, what do they call it? Supersize, and, and supersize a meal every day for lunch. You know what? Um, my body's going to demand that every day. Give me a sandwich. If I'm, if I'm doing that for a month and you just give me an ordinary sandwich, you know, with tuna or something on it, and I'm thinking, is that all? You know, um, my body gets used to it and demands it. Okay, if I <clears throat> sleep 10 hours a night, my body gets used to it and demands it. Isn't that what happened to you over the Christmas? You had extra time, you got some extra sleep, you didn't have to get up early in the morning, you know, so, uh, you know, you came to, the, came to after the Christmas and the alarm clock went off and it felt like the middle of the night. <clears throat> it just felt awful. It was the middle of the night. <clears throat> How could anybody expect you to get up at this hour of the night? Your body gets used to it. Your body gets used to it rapidly. Right? And so <clears throat> what you can do is you can actually teach your body um, <clears throat> to get used to certain things. So that when you're doing the wrong thing with your body, you're teaching it to get used to it. You're creating lusts and desires. You know, if in the um, sexual area you do the wrong thing over and over and over again, what happens is your body gets used to it. And your body's now demanding it. You've got a problem. And, you say, and what people will do is they'll say, listen, particularly guys will say, well, I'm just a man. How, what else can I do? Well, what you've done is... There was an appetite God-given. There's a proper way to, uh, to express that appetite. But when you actually take and you do wrong with it, your body gets used to a certain appetite, and now you've got a problem. But we create the problem. So many of our problems we create for ourselves. And you'll never get victory till you recognize the fact that I've created this problem myself. You know, when it comes to eating, you never get victory until you recognize, you know, <clears throat> I created this problem myself. You know, <clears throat> let me say this about diets, right? And, and some of you will probably kill me for saying it, right? But I'm going to say it anyway, right? You know, listen, diets don't work. Now, here's why they don't work. Because you end up being on diet after diet after diet after diet after diet. Diets don't work. You know, what works is you're letting the Holy Spirit control the food you're eating. That's what works. Listening to the Holy Spirit and letting Him control what you're eating and controlling your exercise, yeah, that's what works. But you see, <clears throat> diets, here's what happens with the diet, as far as I can see anyway, right? What happens with the diet is, uh, you decide, well, I can't eat these things. And inside, the, the, the craving to eat these things grows. 
And because it's a diet, you don't intend being on it for the rest of your life. If you're going to be on it for the rest of your life, that'd be one thing. But you don't intend being on it for the rest of your life. You're going to be on it and you're going to kill yourself for, for a month and lose all the weight. And as soon as you're done the month, you're like a kid on Easter morning that's been off sweets for Lent, aren't you? <coughs> you know, you're, you're out there stuffing it all in your face again. And you've not changed anything. In order for you to change your weight, what you need to do is, instead of going on a diet, you let the Spirit of God control your, uh, control your eating habits and, and learn new eating habits. And what happens is then, then you get it under control. But your body needs to be kept under control because if you don't, uh, it will control you, right? Um, if you don't control your body, it's going to control you. Now, then there's desires of the mind, and I'm kind of more concerned about these. Uh, for us as we look at quieting a noisy soul. Because we have desires of the mind that kick in. And I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm going to try and get you out early because of the weather tonight. Um, uh, let's look at a few of these and then we'll come back to them next week and catch them with everybody here, right? <clears throat> but um, the desires of the mind, appetites we learn are part of our personal nurture. Right? We learn these appetites, right? We have an unlimited number of learned lusts. We do not they, do, they do not necessarily have to be sinful, right? <clears throat> okay. Um, Runners, right? You know, runners are simply footwear to put on your feet so that you can go about your business and do, do your thing, you know. Uh, if, you're, if you're a runner, you wear them for running. If, you, if you're one, you wear them. But they, they, listen, they're, some, they, they're just something you put on your feet to keep your feet dry and warm and protect your feet while you're doing something, right? Now, I'm not being simplistic, aren't I? <laughs> totally simplistic here. You know, um... What are runners? A fashion statement. A status symbol. Okay. Uh, and, um, you know, so, so, so here's what happened. Now, were you born with a desire for Nikes? You know, that baby came out of the womb and you know, the first thing he wanted was Nikes. No. You, you weren't born with anything like that, were you? That wasn't, so where'd you get that? Where'd you get the desire for you guys like runners? Where'd you get the desire for runners? Advertising. And what did advertising do to you? Okay, sucks you. Yeah, sucks you. No, no, it sucks you in. Now, how does it suck you in? Okay, so you're looking at it every. And what's it saying? Well, you know, here you are. You're in your pair. Of, what's a, what's a crummy pair of runners to wear? Prima colors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're there, you're there in your pair of pre-mark runners, and, you're, you're, and your feet are dry and fine, and when you need to run for the bus, you can run for the bus. So what are they, how do they get you to want Nikes? Hang on, designs colors, but is that really it? I mean, listen, listen, let, let me ask you this, right? If, if I could give you Nikes with all the same designs and colors, but without the little check mark, <laughs> do you want them? <laughs> <laughs> or, or let's get worse. Let's. I'll give you, give you, your, your, all the same colours and markings on them as your Nikes, but we'll put a pre-mark badge on them. Do you still want them? <laughs> okay. Now, what's happening? They're putting a thought in your mind, aren't they? The advertisers put a thought in your mind, and the thought can want something like, "You're not the man," till you have runners. You won't be able to run fast till you have Nikes. You know, you won't look the best till you have And they, they work at that. 
Right? So you weren't born with it, you learned it. Okay? And we learn so many lusts like that. We learn to desire things. You know, and by the way, we're not going to get there today, but you know, <clears throat> homosexuality and all those things, they're learned. And what happens is a thought gets put in somebody's mind and they end up going with the thought and it's a learned lust. It's a learned desire. You know, we've got to understand that you have desires of the mind that you weren't born with. Desires of the mind that kind of grew. Now, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> they're imprinted, learned. And they're imprinted and learned. We've looked at these things by repetition. Right? Every day. You see the advertisement every day. If I haven't got Nikes on, I'm really nobody. You see it, you see it every day. And then you go and you see your best mate and he's got Nikes on. And then you see <clears throat> all your mates have got them on and you haven't got them on. You're walking around your pre-mark runners and they've all got their Nikes on. How do you feel? <laughs> I mean, isn't that stupid? But it's true. It's true for all of us. You know? Um, so, so you're pressed into the place where you want them. Because you feel less. Right? So, and the repetition is kind of driving that into your head. That you feel less because you're having them. And then concentration, you begin to focus on something. They get your attention and you begin to focus on it. Sometimes you meet those people who are kind of oblivious to fashion and everything else. Right? And they never concentrate on those things. So you know what? It doesn't touch them. Right? Now, they're, they're, they're a bit strange to us. Because they, they don't concentrate. On, but because they don't concentrate on them, it never gets in, they never get that lust going. They're just doing their own old thing because for whatever reason, they don't focus on things and it doesn't matter to them. Right? But concentration, when you concentration, and then when you put emotion, add emotion to it. And so many of the advertisements will try and get you to add emotion into it. They will try and, make, they, they, they will try and put an emotional hook into it to draw you in. And now it doesn't have to be just advertising. Uh, so many areas can do this where you learn desires and you think about it, repetition in your head, and you concentrate on it and you get emotionally attached to it and all of a sudden you want it with a passion. We can do it in relationships. You know, uh, let me say this to you. Right? I, I honestly think that what, what, what Hollywood works on doing is they work on making people fall in love with the movie stars. And so they develop emotional attachments to people they don't know and never will know. But every time they see them, they get a buzz. They get a happy feeling. And we can do that in life. We can do that with somebody uh, in our circle. We, you know, we, we can develop attachments. And what happens is uh, we've got now a desire, a lust. And it doesn't have to be bad in the sense that it's sexual or that. It's just a lust, a desire for something that's not being given. And it's all in my head. All in your head. You, th you think these things, and you think yourself into them, and you think yourself out of them. Right? <clears throat> okay. Let, let me prove this one to you. How many of you can remember something in your life you thought you'd die? Something or someone that you thought you'd die if you didn't have? And you're not dead. You didn't get them, and you're not dead. How many of you can remember something like that? Someone or something you thought you'd die if you didn't get it? Listen, you know what? What happens is you talk and think yourself into things. You develop lusts in your mind because you're thinking on those things. <laughs> I can remember it's, uh, as a kid, there was, there, was a, an, um, <clears throat> there was a hunting set in the window of Cleary's. 
I remember seeing it. And those were the days when I believed in Santi, and I wanted Santi to bring it to me. And you know what? I thought about it as a kid so much that I knew it was getting it. I think it was five pounds. I think I can even remember the price of it, you know. Now, five pounds, uh, <clears throat> that would be a long time ago. Five pounds was a lot of money. But my poor parents hadn't hope uh, of finding five pounds to buy one of their kids at <clears throat> this thing. But I knew I was getting it. I remember being destroyed. On, I can't even remember what I did get, but it didn't matter. Because I, what I had done is I had thought myself into this. I had an absolute need for it, and I was destroyed and I didn't get it. We do that, but understand this, that you thought yourself into it. And you know what? If you thought yourself into it, you can thought yourself out of it again. You can unravel it in your head. Just understand it's your head. What you're doing is um, <clears throat> it's the lust of the mind, right? <clears throat> um, let's, let's leave it there, and <clears throat> we'll come back to it next week, right? But know this, and look at, find, find out how your head works. Right? Now, deception is, you never know you're being deceived, because if you know you're being deceived, you're not deceived. So if you will face yourself with the deception, I really don't need that. I've just thought myself into that. You've made the first step in thinking your way out of it again. Right? <clears throat> it's your head that's the problem. You don't need the things that you need. You, know, you think yourself into it. You know, you have those basic needs. You know what? You need food every day. Uh, you need air. But you know what? You need those in a right way and in a right measure. And, but you think yourself into needing more than you actually need. And once you've, once you've bought the deception, the deception becomes real to you. It becomes the lust that's driving you. And you've got to unthink those things in your head. All right, that's a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And uh, thank you for these... Uh, people that have come, Lord, to hear your word and to look to you. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you help us to be wise and to get a handle on our thinking and on our minds, that we might have quiet souls and that we might please you and, Lord, be blessed ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.